You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. I've had these dreams most And welcome to episode 68 of Spellcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and this is my co-host, Andreel. Greetings, friends. It's great to be back after my short hiatus. Tonight, we have a wonderful guest, a dear friend of ours. He is Black Sam Bellamy of the Black Sam Bellamy Band, the most premier pirate band on the East Coast here in America. In addition to being one of the more unique musicians I have had the pleasure of meeting and sharing drinks with, he is a very powerful and astute occultist and a giant student of occult history. So, uh, one of the better historians I've come across, if you will. So, without further ado, the Dark Lord himself, one I would say that rivals me. My dear friend, Black Sam Bellamy. How you doing, bud? I'm all right. I'm honored to be here. And uh, greetings to everyone out there that's listening, and including the ghosts and, uh, you know, entities that are listening, because I'm sure there are several, including in my house um, and everyone else's houses. You're all haunted. Anyways, <laughs> um, don't doubt it. I am very happy to be here, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, what we're going to be discussing tonight. Fair enough. Wonderful. Now, obviously, because it is the most premier pirate band of the East Coast, a lot of your occult history surrounds all the ideas and all the imagery that obviously surround our dear friends, the pirates, that shaped and arguably created America. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to go over um, a little bit about the history of the name of Black Sam Bellamy and the band and kind of how your interest in occult and the occult history really did go along with the formation of your band as well. Well, the name Black Sam Bellamy, um, originally Sam was just going by Sam Bellamy. Um, he was just a, uh, a farmer. Um, he was a destitute farmer at that. Um, and, um, little bit of backstory uh a series of unfortunate events and fortunate events caused him to become a pirate um he uh made a promise as uh, one of the stories goes he made a promise to his uh best friend who was very sick that if he died he would take all the money he had saved up um and move to the new world uh where he was rumored to have family uh as a matter of fact um he never really found that family, according to some versions of the story, once he got there. But he did go, and um, what he did find was a uh, doomsday cult known as the Puritans. Um, <laughs> and make no mistake, I don't exaggerate when I say that. They really were. Um, that's really been sugar-coated. And uh, I don't know, I don't think whitewash is necessarily the right word. Maybe it is, but um, it's been very much um, because of the very... Um, there's a lot of Puritan sympathizers, I'll say, in this in this country right now, uh, who who try to cover up and alter and truly believe that these were good people. They weren't. They were bad people, and um, that's what he met when he got to the New World in Cape Cod specifically. Uh, so after being constantly um, oppressed by the uh, the local uh, lawmakers in uh, Devonshire, where Sam grew up, and uh, you know, in the early. Um, the late eight, uh, late seventeenth, early eighteenth century. Excuse me. Um, then he he thought he was going to find freedom in the new world because that's what everybody said. It wasn't true. It, it was actually, if anything, it was worse. Um, but what he did find was um, 
his lover, um, who was an accused witch. And uh, at those times, in those times, um, the witch was um, the witch of the town was basically the person who was being blamed for every bad thing that happened, no matter what. If you sneezed, if you coughed, it was that witch that did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually just recently did uh, episodes on we did the season of the witch for October. Mm. So we talked about uh, local Long Island like witch hunts, and we talked about a few other uh, witch trials in Scotland and things like that. So yeah, we we definitely bring that up a lot on the podcast about you know the small little things that people supposedly did that made them witches apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Cotton Mather actually was eventually involved in the Bellamy situation um, towards the end of it. Um, Cotton Mather, who was uh, presiding over some of the uh, events that occurred um, connected to the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so Sam um, wanted to rescue uh, the witch, um, but he made the decision when he found a way to he thought to make money to get them out of there um make a new life for them he made the decision to not take her with him um and that i don't know if that was the best decision um but that's that's what he did is he um he left and said i'm going to come back uh real quick and i'll bring money and we'll get get we got married and we'll get out of here just the way things worked in that time um he couldn't figure out a way to just sneak her out of the town um so um, he met this guy, uh, a merchant who was traveling through, who said he had a ship and they were going to go down to salvage um, what remained of the Spanish plate fleet of 1715. Basically, uh, King Philip's bank sank, or a good portion of it, in a hurricane. Uh, so he was going to be gone three months, and that wasn't that long for travel at that time. Yeah. So they went down there, and by the time that they got there, there was barely anything left. Um, Sam was very upset naturally um goes on to find out that the ship that they were using um paul actually never paid for it so they would have been <laughs> oh. branded pirates immediately they were outlaws um they were a, a pirate was a death sentence at that time yeah um that was like literally that was like calling somebody a terrorist mm. you know it wasn't actually the case but that's what england was very very scared of you know piracy they didn't like it because it messed with their trade all trade with some by the sea yes so oh. yes, and that as you had had taught me that um, the the whole pirate revolution, if you will, was started by Henry Avery or Avery, depending on I guess the the pronunciation. The one that loved, was a, a giant influence on on Sam and Edward Teach. Yes, well, the story goes that Sam, as as a small child, um, actually met Henry um, Henry Avery when he uh, he went to Devonshire. Um, and the whole town locked themselves, uh, like, you know, in their, in their houses because there was a warning that this terrifying, dangerous, you know, person, it was almost like supernatural stature was coming into town because England was really scared of this guy. The first worldwide manhunt was, was attributed to him. That's correct. The first worldwide manhunt, they were so scared of him. Um, and because he was, he was a genius, um, Avery was part of a, a former order known as the um, the Brethren of the Coast, which their ideals I don't necessarily agree with. Um, they but they did do some good, uh, but they gave birth to something else that Sam was eventually a part of, um, and Henry Avery founded it essentially um, called the Flying Gang, where the the original coalition of you know Golden Age pirates turned into something much greater and of a higher higher stature um so yeah eventually uh paul and sam became pirates uh they decided yeah that we don't have a choice um and they were you know sam had a strong mind for equality and um so what what ended up, what ended up happening is they found their way to where the pirate republic that avery started was uh starting to thrive in uh, nassau and the bahamas and it was their their code uh, was basically liberty and justice for everyone, um, but slaves were being freed and being made equal members of the group. Everybody had a vote. Uh, there were women, you know, that were being respected. You know what I mean? And um, you know, Blackbeard uh, introduced something called Article Thirteen, which meant that you could not make any unwanted advances to a woman. Um, it was basically a death sentence if you did. I'm a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think the opposite. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, but um, I mean, like you said, this is really something I think is important for people to know because 
just in, I think, also modern culture and things that we hear about pirates and this and that, even though, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean is the most famous thing I can think of that's like Hollywood and people probably know what it is. Yeah, recent Hollywood that people know what it is. Um, It's good to have that clarified. So thank you for, you know, letting people know exactly what pirates are actually about. (laughs) Sorry to answer your question, though, because I kind of got... I told the story a little longer than uh, that I made it sound like I was going to. It's easy to do. This is still the abbreviated version. Oh. <laughs> uh, not nearly the whole story, but to, to, to uh, stop right now at, at the origin of the name Black Sam Bellamy. Uh, Sam um, had gained a lot of attention from the local pirates and um, was gained a large following uh, very easily because they liked his ideology and they liked the way that he did things. Um, so... What ended up happening, skipping a lot of things, is that um, one day, um, as the story goes, Sam ran into this large bearded man um, while walking into a tavern, and they basically bumped into each other, like walked into each other, as some people say. Um, And uh, Sam at the time had a limp because he had hurt his leg slipping on the ship. Um, So um, this man said, uh, oh, you know, I have a cane. I have it right here. Just for show, you can borrow it, you know. And they got to be really good friends. Well, that was Edward Teach, later known as Blackbeard. Um, He used psychological warfare techniques. There's no record of him ever having killed anyone that's actually reputable. Blackbeard eventually suggested to Sam um, later that day, actually, as some sources would would allege, um, that um, Sam's name um, isn't scary enough. And so, of course, (laughs) with his... You know, in keeping with uh, Teach's ego, <laughs> he's boisterous man that he was. Yes, he he says, uh, "How about Black Sam Bellamy?" And of course, uh, that that's what Sounds stuck. Familiar. So <laughs> that's the origin of the name in like what fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so what was what was Teach's favorite color? Is, is my next question. <laughs> Purple. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so obviously uh, I want just everyone to know that we are going to have Sam back on. So this is definitely not the end of it. This uh, is we the will, first of yeah. the Black Sam Bellamy <laughs> series. We'll be talking all things history and occult that surround the pirates. As we know, the pirates have taken part in many different styles of magic, both folk and higher. There is something to be said and uh, this is but the beginning, but we want, yes. we have to have cultural context. We have to have everything foundational. And then our wonderful guest, along with other guests in the future that will join him uh, when the band is uh, completely available, will join us. And this will unfold into quite the lotus flower. Yes. So I don't want to make anything seem like it's final or that we're kind of, you know, ending any stories here. It's it's definitely going to be continuing. So that's showbiz, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have more band members on um, and it's it's going to be wonderful. I won't tell you who they are just yet because we don't want to spoil any of that. But uh, there's going to be some fr- familiar names, I'm sure. Uh, so I guess now is um, a good transition if you would like into more of the occult side or did you want to keep talking a little more about history? Uh, well, it would be both. There's no way to separate them in, in, if you're talking about pirates. Um, well, there you go. Although, in a sense, I, I see pirates, this is more of a fantastical statement, but I see pirates kind of outside of time, in a sense. Because um, it's such a, it's such a <clears throat> excuse me, it's such a legendary uh, archetype at this point, but I feel like people don't really have the archetype right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, when you hear about pirates, you know, you're generally, um, you're drawn to to the vibe of something it's almost otherworldly something fantastical and um you know a lot of books have tried to say oh this is the true story about pirates it wasn't romantic oh that's not true it was um it's just not in the way that disney might have told you um the romance comes from the esoteric and the ethereal Mm -hmm. um a lot of pirates had wishes as lovers but that went much further than that and um, well i'd like to tell a story about a man um his name was Olivier Levisseur, and um, known as Labus or the Buzzard, um, as they would call him. Uh, he was a friend of Sam's. Uh, they met when he was 16, as some sources would say. Um, he was uh, born to a uh, bourgeois type of family um, and uh, had military training and all of that stuff, but um, 
he rejected basically everything that his parents wanted him to do and became a pirate and he was very skilled right away he was a prodigy uh and had a great flair for clothing but what he did the best arguably was he was an amazing wizard Ooh, okay um he quite obviously based on you know writings and whatnot that he left behind he obviously um was extremely skilled in um the seals of solomon um knights templar lore um greco-roman mythology uh you name it he knew about it it was extremely impressive and um so this is where i'm going to segue into talking about pirates and reincarnation um i have long studied reincarnates or people that have or believe they have reincarnation um experiences memories um a number of these people and some of the most convincing uh have pirate memories mm. um and it really helps you piece it together when you're looking at the history books um i'm fortunate enough to have access to um artifacts as a matter of fact so when you compare the artifacts it's actually uh it's a very large trove of artifacts that i have access to um when you compare the artifacts to the stories that these people tell to the records and you start to paint a picture, um, well, Labus has one of the most amazing and incredible pictures, arguably, um, he's one of, he's probably my favorite to research cause it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on a mission, that guy, he was <laughs> seriously, um, he was on a mission to like, you know. I don't know. It was like the Avengers, honestly. That's a good... <laughs> and in real life, though, he seriously. All, all the knowledge and all the things. Yeah. He was he was um, gathering these, these, you know, believed to be sacred artifacts, these, like, stones and other things, and, you know, that were, you know, rumored, like, Indiana Jones-style, like, these things could do things, like, make you disappear and, wow. you know, and make you, Im- Im- you know, immune to pain and... You know, supposedly, if you combined all of them, um, this is the one theory going around right now and, you know, some secret occult circles. But if, you know, if you um, combined them, they would, you know, do something. So, ah, and, so it's very much, it very is like the Avengers with the yeah, Stones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And exactly. so would you say that um, in your experience with uh, people having pirate memories and reincarnation, do you think that those things are so tied together because of the esoteric and pirates being so closely related? Yes, there's definitely a connection, I would say. Um, You don't have to have been, you know, knowingly involved in the occult to reincarnate, quite Mm -hmm. obviously. But there are certain um, groups of people that tend to reincarnate together from what I've discovered. Um, You know, um, there's a lot of evidence for that. If you're in a situation together, there's actually there's uh, people from the Titanic. That's another one. Um, A lot of them have come back at the same time. so, yeah, certain types of groups of people will come back all at once. If you're in a traumatic event, if you're in a time-changing event, something that's, like, social upheaval. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, people people seem to come back together. Um, but, but if you're involved in the occult, it's that much stronger. And with the pirate uh, element, um, quite a few of them were. So, and the captains definitely, in, in some capacity, um, it has been discussed and i believe that there's definitely some truth to it um there were certain there was agreements there were agreements that were made between various captains that each one would hold a different artifact however as england was and uh, you know other countries as well but they were being picked off some of the captains um the artifacts all went to labus uh (laughs) so he had them in the end (laughs) yes uh the ones he didn't get himself he had them in the end um and at least a lot of them. And eventually what, what he did was he locked them up in a cave somewhere where um, people are trying still to this day to try to figure it out where that cave is and how to get inside. And they don't even know where it is. Like, wow. there's a whole island that's basically like a red her- herring, excuse me, a red herring that um, that he set up to wow. be that way. Yeah, so, well, you know. I'm sure uh, the man that he was, he thought this out very well and made sure that nobody would just stumble upon it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even uh, you can't obviously. This, there's no visual in, in a podcast, so you can't see it. But my largest tattoo that I'm very proud of is um, his flag, which um, I should say allegedly his flag. But um, I like the symbol, and it definitely matches him. Um, the um, it's a skeleton, a very similar to Blackbeard's flag. Um, has a um, 
what do you call it, a projectile over a bleeding heart. Um, he has the, um, the Holy Grail in one hand and then the Templar cross in the other. And this is very symbolic um, because Holy Grail goes in terms of the types of things he was looking for. Um, and Knight's Templar Cross, um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he had connection to that. So um, the um, the Grail, uh, the relation to that um, is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk that the Grail might have actually been a stone. Who knows about that? But it's deeply symbolic. Um, Something very similar to that uh, was this this thing that they called the Flaming Cross of Goa, and I don't remember the exact uh, dimensions of it, but it was an enormous golden cross crusted with diamonds, and um, Labus made it disappear. It, you know, supposedly it had healing properties and stuff like that. So, oh. yeah. Now, um, to make it disappear, what was his reasoning behind that? Oh, he just, he captured it along with the bishop that was on the ship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Both but- of them disappeared. Nobody ever <laughs> saw them again. So I'm sure he, he hid it well. And do you know, maybe, um, was it to, per, like, protect it? Was it to, you know, what was, was he hiding it from people in particular? Well, or? a lot of people would say it was a random find, but um, I don't think that's the case. Because what he was, you know, he was targeting these types of things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, he was trying to amass some kind of, you know, occult power, essentially. Yeah. Um, wow. And here's the thing is it ties into... You know, he wasn't just some random, you know, megalomaniac. Um, his stuff, the things that he did, he did with intention. Um, you know, at one point he infiltrated the um, the slave trade just so he could break it apart. Um, he, he was, this wasn't a bad person. He had very harsh tactics, but he did these things intentionally to try to better the world. And that's something that's kind of missed with the history of pirates. Um, yes. They're, the pirates, the, the flying gang specifically was building a revolution. They were building forts in the new world to try to make, you know, what basically became America. But in my opinion, it would have been more altruistic than what even happened. I'm not saying anything negative about the American Revolution. Obviously, that needed to happen. Um, But slavery wouldn't have been a thing Mm. if the Flying Gang specifically had their plans go through. What he was trying to do was amass power, you know, to help in the regard of, you know, fixing the world at the time. Yeah. So, and there were some bad people, obviously, going around at that time and um, that wanted to stamp the pirates out. They branded them the enemies of all mankind. And, you know, so we had some, uh, I say we because I consider myself a pirate, you know, ideolo- ideologically. Um, we had some enemies back then. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the best way, you know, to... To stop someone from doing something actually helpful and beneficial is to just discredit them altogether. So that's the easiest way to take somebody down. I mean, you can fight them and you can do whatever, but if you attack through rhetoric and things like that, that's, you know, the fastest way to kind of stamp something out. Propagated libelous slander has... Ah, has dampened... The sight around something, but nothing can corrupt what is truly noble by nature. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that even through the darkest stereotypes, why there's still this, this, this pedestal for the archetype of the pirate. There's mm-hmm. something to be said. And I'm sure people have felt that, that, that draw you're talking about. I mean, even if their only introduction is through Hollywood movies and other things, I feel like they still know, like people have their, have their intuition and they just know that there's something more to it. So you might be drawn by maybe visiting Cape Cod and stumbling along a pirate museum. You might have watched, again, Pirates of the Caribbean. You may have gone to Disney and been on the ride. But even though there's that that very surface level experience, I, I feel like even myself, I've had that that feeling, that draw, that knowing that there's something more here and it's very interesting and I want to know what it's about. And that's why I'm really happy that we have you because now we can talk about it with somebody that is so well-versed in that community and culture to expand upon it and hopefully give some real stability to that intuition that people have and that draw that they feel. To clarify for our viewers, our guest has been studying this for the better part of going on two decades. Yeah. So, (laughs) give or take, correct me if I'm wrong, my dear friend. (laughs) No, no, I, I wouldn't say you're wrong in that regard. Um, I, I would say about myself, I made the decision to outwardly live, you know, 
um, in the pirate lifestyle um, about one decade ago, but um, the fascination and, you know, learning were there well before that point. <laughs> I actually planned everything out in diagrams. Like, you know, I, I literally drew up all the outfits I wanted to make myself and, you know, um, yeah. But yeah, we, now we have a community of, I would, I would estimate, about 17,000 worldwide uh, in the pirate, you know, pirate culture. Yeah. So, um, but, um, the other thing I wanted to add what, to what you were saying, Courtney, mm -hmm. is, uh, with that draw and the whole occult aspect is, mm -hmm. uh, in order to like nail it on the head, one of the things that's very important about this is that these people were striving, uh, some have said it's with the highest evolution of mankind so far. These people were striving for true equality, freedom and liberty and rights for everyone back in the 1700s yeah they had democracy i mean this is this was unheard of you know mm -hmm. for that time and that definitely creates that freedom creates a different kind of spirituality um there's a lot of stories of um pirates um you know because 40 50 percent 60 percent even of the crews were freed slaves native americans um they would get together in the middle of the night and they would worship the way they worship together it would be like a drum circle, basically, but a really yeah. intense one with, you know, pounding on the drums and everybody's worshiping and, you know, all mm -hmm. their different religions coming together instead of fighting, you know, and yes. that's, that's, it sounds cliche, but it was incredibly powerful. Um, oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. You know, um, this, in, in this time without technology, with, you know, barely any, you know, quote unquote, big brother, you know, you're just in, you know, in the ocean worshiping in the middle of the night and, you know, I'm things happen you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i would say the element of water probably has a lot to do with the connection and emotions and a cult and all the things that even that element brings probably is a really good um what's the word i'm looking for like conductor for magic and the occult um and it's funny that you say that because i mean andrael and i we want to continue to do that in our own way our, ours is a lot smaller than what they were doing for now but we are very interested in bringing everyone together in our rituals and sabbats and that's what we do we encourage people of all different backgrounds and faiths to come into our circles and to worship how they are you know how they're comfortable with what they're drawn to and we don't force anyone to you know celebrate how we celebrate and even if it's called so in or yule it doesn't mean that you have to call it that to come and to go to our events and i mean you've been to a couple of our circles and stuff and our idea is just to bring everyone together and do that same thing like you worship how you worship but we're doing it together and that makes it like a big wonderful thing unifying on an idea by mm -hmm. the spoken and the unspoken the literal and the figurative the conscious and the unconscious is the only true way to understand what divinity is in the first place. And arguably, uh, the pirates were the people at that time to be able to reach that. I'd argue mm -hmm. that it wasn't that that wasn't there since the Renaissance, at least collectively. You know, there's I'd argue that some of the composers, you know, between then and you know that probably reached it somehow, but they were they were widely alone. I mean, how many miserable composers were they were just like, <laughs> oh God, I'm so alone or Yeah, was, they didn't have that that community. Yeah. You know. And then before that I'd argue that it wasn't until if we're going back, we would think ancient Roman Greece. I mean this yeah. and oh God, the one dynasty at the time I'm trying to think. I keep forgetting I gotta well verse myself a bit more with the dynasties, but there's there's something to be said that that was the next big wave pun totally intended mm -hmm. uh of of people coming together but also causing a a, a return uh in in a particular way it was this nice medium mm -hmm. that existed as opposed to the exclusivity that happened in those other periods of time that created a giant drive between uh those who were monetary monetarily fortunate and those who weren't but with the pirates, that didn't matter. Yeah. So I'd argue there that I'd argue that you're like that. the pirates were the first yeah. one in history to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's... again, wealth, status, things like that didn't matter. It was more of the coming together and the communal feeling of okay, like we're all kind of looking for that same freedom and that same equality and equity, and it there really is through equity. Yeah, I mean, and arguably. that's the thing is it, it it blends them both perfectly. Where it, I mean, literally, I don't really think there's many places at the time like you said in other cultures really embracing that in the way that pirates did i 
you know, when you were speaking about, like, NASA and, you know, to have women, like, appreciated and having rules that actually are in place to say, hey, no, you can't mistreat people. Like, you know, especially women, that's that's not something you can't do. And, I mean, Blackbeard putting that into action, of all the things we've ever seen pop culturally about him, would anyone have ever thought that? Is that something that really would have come across their brains to say, oh, a man that has one of the most, like, wonderful laws at the time in Article 13, that's amazing for him. And all people really know, at least I could say, surface level, you just think of him with his beard smoking and being, like, kind of intimidating and and imposing, but, you know, then that's kind of breaking those stigmas and the stereotypes of pirates and what people thought and think they are versus what they actually were. I mean, like I said, England went out of their way for disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have sifted through you know, probably hundreds of documents from the colonial era, uh, newspaper clippings and whatnot, and you could see, you know, the blatantly false information, you know, Mm -hmm. that, you know, saying, like, these pirates were telling people to throw their Bibles away and that it was was nonsense, you know what I mean? These people that wrote these things weren't there. It was obviously nonsense, you know. Um, But... You know, the public was very gullible to the stories that were made up, and some of them are still going around today, but they're not they're not true, you know. Um, not much has changed in certain areas. <laughs> um, you know, um, what was I saying? Oh, I was talking to a friend today, and actually I was saying, you know, uh, researching pirates is very similar to researching colonial witches. Mm-hmm. You have to really know exactly where to look, and it's extremely difficult to find those places. Um I'm fortunate enough to have friends in the, you know, the, what do you call it, the archaeological and, uh, you know, that, that whole field, you know, they're, they're, yeah. Anthropological? Yeah, well, they're literal, you know, I have a bunch of friends who are also pirate historians and, you know, are literally unearthing artifacts as we speak, you know, so that, that's helpful. Um, There's a couple of, (laughs) there's a couple of diaries that are out there, you know, a lot of pirates uh, were writers you know um so there's a lot of stuff that you kind of just pierce it uh, excuse me piece it together um one little tidbit i wanted to throw out there is that um the flying gang had gay marriage really yes wow they called it matelage now matelage wasn't always marriage Mm. but it often was um and um there was one point even before the flying gang with the brethren of the coast um the um the French actually sent, I believe it was the French, sent several boatloads full of prostitutes to Tortuga, uh, where that was, that, was, that was a Brethren of the Coast stronghold, to try and um, make them less gay. Basically, wow. that's the real reason they did it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> um, there were a lot of gay pirates. Uh, I'm 100% positive that there were uh, trans pirates as well. Wow. So. That's, that's a, I mean, I'm... I didn't know that. So it's wonderful to hear that there was something so progressive and and open-minded going on, especially in that time. Oh, my God, that's probably the only real, like, cell of that happening. Like, very, you know, um, isolated, I feel like, to pirates, unless there's another culture I'm not aware of at some the time. People, some people became pirates because they were j- they were uh, gay. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if that's a community that's going to accept you, why wouldn't you? Right. All right. Well, I think at this time uh, we are going to take a little bit of a break and then we will come back with Sam and we'll talk more about everything. So we hope you're enjoying it so far and we'll be back in a minute. All right. And we're back. And uh, Sam has a new wonderful thing to share with us. I saw the uh, light bulb go off, so <laughs> we'll let you start off. Um, there was actually another golden age of piracy um, approximately 300 years before the one that took place uh, in the um, 17th, 18th century. Um, there were... A number. I'm not going to get. I'm really not going to get uh, much into the details. I'm bringing this up for a very specific reason. Okay. The there were a bunch of pirates around. Uh, different, you know, obviously different political climate. Um, totally different vibe. Um, 
and I'm not going to get into the story of Captain Kidd right now, but Captain mm-hmm. Kidd, uh, the stories of Captain Kidd are actually confused with each other. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stories about Captain Kidd, it's William Kidd, um, K-I-D-D, um, who lived in um, closer to the time of Bellamy, very close actually, the story of him um, was very fantastical for kids sitting around a campfire at that time. Uh, very much something that would be filled with wonder. You would talk about the exploits of Captain Kidd. You know, Captain Kidd wasn't really a pirate. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> The thing is, the reason that the thing that's just lost today is the reason that that was such a big thing that there was a Captain Kidd sailing around is because there was another Captain Kidd who was a pirate from, I believe it was the fifteen hundreds, before late fourteen early fifteen hundreds. There was another pirate named Captain Kidd, K Y D D, but his name was William Kidd, and he 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 had this massive ship, you know, fantastical looking thing, and you know he was a real pirate. And the stories got confused because stories were told about Captain Kidd for so many, so many years. And then there was another Captain William Kidd. And so that kind of added to the whole thing. And that's something that's completely lost or, you know, or not completely, but you, you'll never really find that in a history book. It's, yeah. You can barely find anything about that. And even when you Google Captain Kidd, you'll find stuff about one Captain Kidd or the other Captain Kidd all mixed together. And they were actually two different people who lived 300 years apart. But the interesting thing about that, and the reason that I brought it up, is that it leads into another conversation. The fact that I believe the pirates of the 1700s, the ones we were talking about before, the, uh, the Golden Age pirates, the Flying Gang, I think that they may have known each other before. And people sometimes... Now, obviously, you can reincarnate as, as you know, a different gender or a different, just a completely different role in life. But I think a lot of times people make similar choices, especially when it's something important. The core essence of who they are is is the constant, but it plays a different modal tendency in whichever new body and new lifetime they're in. Right. The rule of a cult is the rule of infinity. Everything that you could possibly imagine exists. It's all math. It's all science. But it's not math and science that's obviously understood by by uh, you know the majority of people and it's not, not completely understood science, yeah. by any human. You know, um, but that being said, just like the universe, like it's statistically impossible for there not to be life on other planets. Yeah. Um, there is statistically infinite dimensions and statistically infinite possibilities for uh, you know reincarnation. Um, in well, maybe not infinite, but almost infinite possibilities of what could happen but certain things tend to have patterns especially if your soul is strong and in you know focused on something so now i've asked you this before but pardon my interruption um in regards to types of reincarnation and um and i wanted to ask your opinion in particular on this uh because uh, you you're you're versed in it in a different way that i am um, how do you yourself look at, as a personal uh, opinion, how do you yourself look at reincarnation? Is it one soul that travels between many uh, different bodies of time and space? Or is it a line in which, so let's say for all intents and purposes, like uh, the show The Avatar, The Last Airbender, where Aang was literally the one alive, but the line of souls before him he could speak to were their own different people, but they were technically the reincarnation. They were they were a line of souls, so to speak, or a different a different piece of each soul, so to speak. The soul is a multifaceted thing. That's what I think. Uh, you know, you could call it a spirit, you can call it a soul. Different people define these things different ways, but what you actually are, the essence of what you are spiritually, it's beyond understanding of any individual human what it is um your essence is multifaceted so i say both are correct to what you said Mm. both are correct not just one why is one the your 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 line which is one of my favorite lines i've ever heard anyone say in any lifetime um why is one the absence of the other yes both of them are true Fair enough. I kind of figured you were going to say that, but I needed to hear it out loud. And I, I think, uh, though we've had these conversations many times before, it's it's about time we've had it uh, for our, our listeners. Yeah. 
Um, oh, yes. You want to get deeper into the mechanics of it, you can go into that timelines can exist on top of each other, or rather do. So all of your soul, all of your essence exists all at once. <laughs> and it's really not, it's really, you know, a quote unquote, some people would say it's kind of cliche, but it's an illusion at this point. Mm. You're just there in more places than you realize you were. Uh, then you're, you're caught between this I think therefore I am and then the later ideas that came from existentialism. Uh, it's, oh God, it's absolutely maddening. We could, I suppose, sit here and, and debate uh, <laughs> philosophy. But, oh. One more thing is just, just to bring my point home and what I, why I was talking about the two different timelines of uh, pirate history and, you know, Saul's coming back to do the same thing. Um, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because Labus had a grandfather or great-grandfather, I can't remember which, who did the same thing. Really? Mm -hmm. He was putting together a collection of artifacts on Oak Island. And I know that's a commonly ah. spoken of topic. There's a bunch of nonsense going on about that. It's being yeah. used as a, as a, what do you call it? A, um, what's the word? I need more coffee. It's <laughs> it's being used as a publicity draw, but it's there's not really much substance to what they're you know, on Oak Island, the original Labuse, um was gathering artifacts in in conjunction with the Brethren of the Coast and allegedly the Knights Templar. So there could be a very strong argument made mm. that this kid at sixteen years old, that you know the uh, the more recent Labuse, um picked up right where his former self left off because people do reincarnate in the same bloodline. Oh, and it yes. can be that that quickly as well. You like, yeah, sorry. Do, no, I'm just saying just as possibility, just so, um, you know, because I, I think that brings something else to the discussion of reincarnation because I think a lot of people generally think, oh, reincarnation is like a couple hundred years or a generation or whatever. So, I mean, I would think that, yeah, I mean, to say a grandfather to a grandson is a really close... Like, there's not much of a gap there. So normally, I know for me, when I first heard of it, I was like, oh, reincarnation sounds like such a, I don't know, like a widespread thing. Like, oh, you might have to wait 100 years to be reborn or, you so know, but to be that close in the same. arbitrary. Right. And so that's what you're saying. If they exist on top of each other, then it's possible and kind of answers that question of, oh, like, why are you so connected to maybe even a sibling or a cousin or and you exist in the same timeline or that person doesn't have to necessarily die before another part of their soul, if that's the way to say it, is now alive in someone else and could be alive at the same time because of that time-space thing going on. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing. Um, the, but the other thing is that... You don't have to be in the, fa the same bloodline, the same family to be reincarnated just some people believe oh yes yes well i'm definitely the reincarnation of my grandfather uh you can be reincarnated from a native you know i can be reincarnated from a native american princess like for example yeah you know and I, I don't have any native american unfortunately you know in my blood that i know about um but yeah so like i could be reincarnated from you know a chinese farmer you know just, just thinking of random examples yeah of things that i am not <laughs> right exactly however it does also happen in family lines and it's mm. not i don't think it's i'm not going to say it's random when that happens there's definitely something mathematical about that but mm. it's not always what happens it's frequently not what happens actually so and it seems like he had such unfinished business that he wasn't willing to wait to <laughs> complete maybe that you know it was like okay i have this really big purpose and it can't wait so it needs to be soon that you know i can get back to uh collecting these artifacts and is there anything that um so they don't know where the second labus then to say the the grandson so to speak has his but they know that his grandfather was working with oak island generally believed yes okay Fair enough. Now, my next question, since we're on the topic of reincarnation, and, I, and I'd li like I said, I'd like to keep picking your brain on it, what would you say, so we're going to get more into the, uh, the, occult, the, the practical occult side, as an application uh, for, for our dear friends that are listening. Sorry, I feel like I have a sneeze to hold back. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a great thing on the uh, recording. <laughs> yes. Um... 
But, uh, oh man, my brain like rattled in my head. Oh, here we go. So, how would you recommend, in your, because of your own experiences, how would you recommend doing uh, past life uh, regression, past life travel, past life uh, reconnections? And how do, in your opinion, how have you separated fact from fantasy from yourself? Or have you, have you, how have you helped others in that same regard? Because the, one could argue that because it's so, it's so open and vast that, it's, that it can be easy to let the wave take you very harshly. Separating fact and fiction with reincarnation is actually an extremely difficult thing to do in some cases and extremely easy in others. A lot of times there are people who will, um, will write down um, dreams there's one practice that people go with. There's a lot of different things. I mean, there's a, there's a standard procedure for, you know, for some people with past life regressions where they'll guide you through a meditation. Uh, that's a very, very common one. I'll, I'll say that. Um, they bring you to a place where you, you know, what do you see? And then you start to see things and they're familiar things. And it's like a dream almost. But that's, you know, it is helpful because you're telling your spirit essentially to see. You're telling your spirit to show you when you've never seen it before, you're putting yourself into a place where you're open to it, more readily open in the right consciousness. That is one thing. A guided meditation is definitely something. Um, another thing is, yeah, writing what I was saying before, writing down dreams every single night um, and trying to compare those to a guided meditation or just looking through it to see what is, what's the common thread. And a lot of times this, this, this can be kind of tricky because dreams are things that you just, you know, you see during the day, you've seen on television, you, what you're picturing while you're meditating can be something you saw on television. So it, it is kind of difficult to pick it apart. Uh, sometimes you just kind of, you know, you get a feel for it. If you, you have memories frequently, it's easier if you know, like, okay, I remember this, like, this is an actual memory. I've had it since I was a little kid. Those are the easiest ones, the ones who are basically born with them. But it doesn't mean that you can't find it in other places. Another thing also is when people know each other, somebody remembers something about somebody else and they tell them that they remember it and that, you know, from their past life and the person, this person that they're talking to never told them that. That's another really, really powerful, you know, that, that's that's one of the best evidences for it, actually, in the first place. Having other, other people to affirm it for you as well as affirming them as well. Yeah, people that have the same memory and remember who the other person was. Because one of the, my favorite phenomenon is, uh, phenomena, excuse me, is when somebody walks into a room and they immediately recognize somebody and they never met them before, and then they figure out why. Wow. You know, it's usually it's not something fantastical. Oftentimes, you know, it's it's everybody wants to be a king and a pirate captain. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and some people, most people, were not. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've mentioned uh, on the podcast, too, before about uh, spirit animals or totems. So everyone wants to be a lion, right, or wolf or something that seems amazing and fantastical. But people that work with mouse medicine or goose medicine or whatever it may be, you'll be more powerful for being aligned with who you truly are versus trying to be something just for the sake of the, like, amazement around it. There's also something to be said that... And, and see, and this is where it might sound like a catch-22 to our viewers. But again, we don't take it literally. Read between the lines as we, we, tell, these, we tell these stories, friends, and, and we, we, we speak of our own personal experiences. Is that, you know, the, this is the devil at the crossroads in me talking, is that you really can be whatever it is you want, but a lot of people want to be these things, but they don't want to take the responsibility and the depth that comes with that responsibility to be these particular things. Yeah. Is that, do you really realize what kind of pressure will come along with certain types of power? You know, and there are, especially if we look at, so for spirit animals, as you had brought up, and I'd argue the same as a king or a legendary pirate or any legendary being that has ever existed is that are you prepared to continue to further that work for the greater good of humanity and yourself simultaneously but while simultaneously be willing to sacrifice yourself? Are you willing to take that sort of passion and sublimate it even farther than you did in the, in the last life? 
because we can't we can't work backward friends we start to disappear in that regard and it goes back to in my experience with Friedrich Nietzsche's Übermensch where the he was a man you know Übermensch is a, a man or a woman you know as a superman you know we we get it's a gender neutral term um the, for the old germanic word for man um and even in latin like neuter was you know yeah. was still masculine at times but how oh man my brain stopped hold on one second how oh yes here we go the ubermensch so the ubermensch the superman wasn't this person that was purely loved and never feared no it was very machiavellian much more depth i'd argue as opposed to simply just love and fear the things that come in between them creation of almost new feeling emotions and new emotional combinations a man that understands that you may have to hurt people in order for good things to happen not because you want to hurt people let me be very clear about that i'm not trying to i'm not trying to start a whole like stalin sort of no, idea but you mean hurt as in like well healing sometimes you have to go through a lot of upheaval. I mean, that the tower card and the tarot. Just because you you're, see that, it's scary, and yeah, you're going to hurt because negative things are being ripped out of your your whole being is being turned upside down. If you are a genuine person, so when we think of polar characters like the wolf or Jesus of Nazareth, we think of, or well, Lucifer. I can be more, Lucifer is a bit more polar in the society. I'd argue that Jesus is polar to people who aren't Christians, but... Um, these particular entities that come along with this light and darkness is that sometimes they can hurt people simply by being who they are because being who they are tends to reveal the shortcomings of the people that they come across and that could and it's all exclusively their fault you still have to be who it is you need to be but that doesn't mean that you yourself don't that it still doesn't put you in this in this place of wow what am i doing and you also the other side of it is that as a healer you may take away a lot of people's pain but don't only take away the negative sides of it take away the sides of it that is keeping them in limbo but don't take away the karmic lessons that they need to learn because then they'll just fall back into it anyway don't be an eraser of karmic debt they're just going to fall in it again and then it might be even worse well, they have to learn their lesson i mean that's that's an idea in reincarnation too is your soul continuing to be born into different situations and for you to experience being a victim being an oppressor being a different level in society you know born in all different areas because your soul is learning how to be all of these different things and different people and uh things like that yeah sometimes it's the same situation though sometimes your yeah. soul is born into the same situation it would seem now i will say um there are a lot of books out there saying this is what reincarnation means this is how it works you know Oh, there's these people who saw this room, and that's where this, that's where they decided that this was going to happen because this is the pattern. And uh, whereas I agree with what you say, because there's obvious evidence that you know, di you know, different things, there's different meanings to different people's lives and how the through lines work. There are definite through lines, but I am not going to pretend that I know exactly what they are. Yeah, you know, yeah. that that's that's you know. To me, that is uh, blasphemous mm -hmm. to say, to just write it all up as that this is exactly how this works, and you know, this is the this is the specific god that presides over it, you know, or whatever, you know, that this this particular set of gods, they're the ones who decide, and you're you know, you're going. I hope I'm being not being too vague. You're going to this place, you know, specifically in this time because you need to learn this specific lesson. You know, yeah, that's, that's oversimplifying nonsense. it. That's way oversimplifying it because mm -hmm. your life is a lot more complicated than you think it is. This is going to scare people. Of. <laughs> your life is way more complicated than you think it is. It is so intricate and so complicated. You'll never realize how complicated everything is, every breath. You will never comprehend it. And it's if you think about it, someone trying to put that concept into a book, I mean, they almost have to oversimplify it to even attempt, I feel like, to try to put it in something so small as a book. <laughs> There's, I'm not saying all of the books are bad. I haven't read a single one on reincarnation that I liked. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a difficult topic, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a big undertaking. And, you know, to simplify it again, like, you, 
how long would that book have to be if somebody <laughs> actually tried to capture everything about it? I'm mostly saying I think I've seen people taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's what happens to you when people think, um, when they stop learning. I think you're always learning in your life, and whether you're a master or an expert at something, you should never feel like you're done. It should always be, okay, well, what else can I learn? There, like you said, I mean, our lives are more complicated than we know. So there's always something to learn. There's always something to search and to discover and explore. So to think, oh, I read like five books on reincarnation. Yeah, I, I know what it is now or anything like that. It's like, okay, definitely not. <laughs> and with any subject, not even just that. H.P. Lovecraft is awesome. Reason being, I don't think that I don't view reality as dark as one might come off viewing it when they they've if they've read all of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, books. But um, I think H.P. Lovecraft is awesome because he shows that that the horror of the unknown and the, I think things as dark as what he talks about do exist. All of those types of things definitely exist. But the universe is so big, there is the positive, you know, and the negative and the in between as we would describe those things. Um, so a lot of times the more that you start to learn, um, the more terrifying it becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really, I mean, I've discovered some extremely terrifying things in, uh, you know, some of the past life memories and that people have had and and how they matched up with ancient texts and modern things even going on. And it's, it's really, really, really scary stuff. Uh, and it's quite a different picture than what some, some people would try to paint it as. A lot of people that write books about, you know, what the big picture is. It's not the same as what they're they're writing. You know, it's obvious that they're either misinformed or, you know, or or putting out uh, disinformation, disinformation, misinformation, one or the other or both, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, what's guiding what and what secret societies are up to and things like that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of nonsense. Um, but, I mean, I've been invited to the Illuminati a few times on Instagram, so. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's <laughs> the Illuminati. That's like my favorite so if one if now. we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, uh, <laughs> I was kind of treading around that. But, you know, um, the Illuminati, yes, it's, I find it hilarious that people are still accusing the Illuminati of trying to run the world. They don't realize that the Catholic Church came up with that conspiracy theory like the day that the Illuminati was created. <laughs> it's, you know, if you just look into it a little bit, that's that's where that comes from. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of nonsense. You know what I mean? Not saying that there aren't conspiracies. If you say that there are no conspiracies going on, you think all conspiracy theorists are crazy. Well, then you're just wrong. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Because people are people and people will... Oh, how did you say it earlier? You were saying something along the lines of... Um, when people get together, they amass power and they try to manipulate each other. It's just a simple fact of life. Ah, oh, very much so. Ah, yes, how did, how did I say that? Um, was it regard, well, This was earlier tonight. Not, not, not on the, uh, the podcast. It was a conversation we had had off podcast. Sorry, uh, listeners. Um, <laughs> For your context. There, along the lines of what we were about. saying, you just worded it really well, you know? <laughs> um, but in addition to that, um, I'm trying to remember what my point was. <laughs> Oh, my point was that people are trying to um, to say that they have all the answers and they'll paint things really dark or really light. And like I said, I found some really terrifying things, but that's not the big picture. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these people that everything's love and light and everything is – I'm not saying there's anything wrong with love and light. Um, but everything is, is all but positive and is... all always to the point that that becomes a negative. It becomes like – Yes. Yeah. It becomes like a, a cultish, puritanical sort of thing. And – that's not true either. Mm-hmm. The truth is more complicated. Yes, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in that gray area. And I mean, I would say that that's why there's that old cliche adage of ignorance is bliss. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a very simplified way to say it, but that makes sense as to why people maybe are afraid to learn more about how complicated our existences are because, hey, then I don't have to worry about it and I don't have to think, oh God, maybe H.P. Lovecraft knows something like oh god that could be real like and that scares people in so many ways that they're just like nope i just don't want to know and you know we're gonna we're gonna remain blissfully unaware regardless if it really is there or not hp lovecraft is real so is tiny tim yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's something to be said the biggest thing you can realize in your magical practices friends and this goes for all artists as well any higher thinkers is that There is no eudaimonia without aporia. There is no pain without pleasure in a sense that's much deeper to understand. 
my my pleasure is the greatest pain I have, and my pain exalts me like no mundane pleasure ever had. So this is what it is you need to keep in mind. When divinity hits you, it drives you mad for a brief moment, but it's the most exhilarating madness you'll ever see. That's why they call it madness. And I'd also argue that's why they connect the word being mad with anger and anger with passion and those symbolisms with fire, the essence, the purest spark of existence, the human soul in it of itself, the plasma, the only of the four elements, well, outside if you say ether, but out of the four elements, it's the most different because it's technically there and not there simultaneously. Something to be said. We have to, it's really interesting because the phrase literal metaphor in and of itself is oxymoronical. <laughs> but um, one could argue that, you know, there's the dichotomy between, the th- between two things and then there's the, the prefix of by, which we've spoken of before, yeah. how, things, how the two dualities work together and how they work separately and exclus- exclusively, but also understanding that the, the outcome is greater than the sum of the parts. You know, there's looking at the literal things literally, looking at the literal things figuratively, looking at the figurative things literally and figurative things figuratively and where they mix where it's a good thing and where they mix where it's a bad thing. What might be good for you may be bad for another person. But if you're not being yourself, the greatest thing, the greatest danger of it all uh, that can be said is because being something you're not can also cause other people to be things that they're not. Or it can trivialize, if you're being something that you're not, that somebody else actually is, you're trivializing everything it is that they go through. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is something to keep in mind. Now, this is not discouraging anyone else's short, uh, not discouraging, um, discrediting um, anyone else's particular shortcomings. We all have our own reasons why we do things. But as the Greeks said, know thyself. So, and uh, yeah, know thyself also has to do with past life reincarnation. So, full circle, um, I <laughs> now, believe. Yeah, oh, if there's anything else that we we want to say um, to recap everything, or I feel like uh, this is a good place to leave our listeners to uh, chew on what we've been talking about, think over things, and then be ready for the next time. But yeah, any last thoughts? I'll leave you with this. Strive for simplicity. Strive for balance while being complex. And being passionate and even radical. I love it. <laughs> and uh, anything else from you, Andrea? Oh, so, so, so uh, that is Black Sam Bellamy of the Black Sam Bellamy Band, the most premier pirate band of the East Coast, the Dark Lord himself. There is something. Uh, something to be learned from this man in every conversation I've ever had with him. I strongly recommend uh, listening to his music. We're actually going to attach uh, a sample of one of his uh, greater recordings in yes. our opinion. It'll be our intro and outro music today, so thank you, and all the credit goes to uh, the band for that. And we will also uh, be linking all of their social media and ways to contact them in the show notes. Uh, they're very approachable, so should you feel to reach out to them personally, uh, you're more than welcome to do so. And uh, they were at SpellCon. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know that, and of course the people that attended so all of our future events with Daimonicos Productions, we're going to have them as often as possible. Uh, so if you want to see them in person, I would definitely make the trip out to Long Island. And uh, if you are very much into that, we could probably even arrange uh, some travel. Should it be uh, you know, lucrative for all parties involved, then there's no saying we can't travel with this. Make us a deal. <laughs> Devil always makes a deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, remember, so you can find us now with Daimonicos Productions. Uh, we have rebranded Witchy Page as that because we are growing our business and it is wonderful. So uh, we, we would like to pay homage to our coven. Mm-hmm. The word Daimonicos came to me in meditation. The full coven's name is Armonia Daimonicos et Omne Regnum. Et Omne Regnum is roughly translated from Latin as the kingdom of all. Uh, Armonia or Armonia Daimonicos is basically, uh, well, Daimonicos means daimonic. You know, the daimonic, not necessarily understanding the Christian word demon, but the word daimon means spirit, 
divinity, God, um, purest essence of divinity, etc. And armonia, well, that one's pretty obvious now, isn't it? Um, most of uh, most of English is Latin and Greek. So, um, but there's some big changes in the works. Yeah. And it, if anyone would like to be a part of it, if you're a vendor, if uh, you are someone who has a unique talent that you feel like you would like to be showcased, if you would like more of a platform, we're trying to give more consistent platforms to everyone so that we can all support each other. We can gradually kundalini up the ladder that is fame and fortune yeah. and really get out there what it is we're trying to do with everyone and not just in in you know just for that particular reason but it's it's much more deeper than that we're trying to build a community and a culture so. yes exactly just uh as pirates were so uh we have daimonikos uh, dot productions at gmail.com and then you can search daimonikos productions uh which is d-a-i M-O-N-I-K-O-S. So in case you need to spell it. Uh, and you can find that on Instagram now. Uh, I may make a Twitter because I feel like that's important to do. Um, and we also are ha on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You can go to Daimonicos Productions. Uh, you can book us through Facebook. You can also book us just by simply reaching out through email. Uh, and we are getting business cards. So we will start having those around. And on Instagram, we have a picture of our business card so you can get an idea of all the things we offer. And again, if you reach out personally, we can explain to you more about what we can offer for you and what we can do for you uh, and work work out some uh, wonderful things with, uh, as he said, performers, vendors, and guests as well. So whether you want to attend or be a part of the shows that we do, uh, we would love to have you. You can also find links to the Spellcast podcast store, and uh, I will now, it should still be working with the correct link to Instagram um, and all that, and I will change the Facebook one uh, to the new Daimonicos page. So you can find us on Linktree, which is going to be in the show notes. Uh, you can also find our Straight Up Strange family at straightupstrange.com. And I have that link in the show notes as well. Some other really awesome podcasts. And I know they're doing a blog and um, Strange Times, which is a really cool, uh, you know, articles that people are posting and awesome information coming out there. So thank you to our production company that we're a part of uh, for putting out wonderful content and connecting people of similar ideals and opening up people's minds and really spreading education and information. Uh, so I think that just about wraps it us up for us today. Uh, so remember, there's a little witch in all of us. And the spirits live in the mirror. <laughs>